Welcome to The Father's Heart with Tom Clark, better known as Papa Tom. Good morning. This is Papa Tom with The Father's Heart Talk Show. You know, I always talk about today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We have a show today that I just feel blessed. I'm so blessed to have the guests that we have because I would have never dreamed about being able to get this uh, opportunity to have this man on our show. And it's really our first interviewee is Dinesh D'Souza, of all people. Could you imagine? If you're a patriot out there and you happen to believe that there's election fraud, you're probably going to want to listen to 2,000 Mules. And that's his new documentary. We're going to explore the spiritual roots of what's happening in America today. And we have uh, Dinesh D'Souza on the show today. And it's really a door of opportunity that God had put on our lives. And, and uh, it's something we can share with our audience, the folks out there. And we uh, appreciate our audience listening to this show. And we're looking forward to many other shows like this. We will bring people on uh, to share with them what's happening in America, not just from a point of view of the bad stuff that's happening, which most people are probably getting uh, anxious about, but also about where we're going. So listen to this show and pick up some of the things that are happening subliminally here with my conversation with Dinesh about a dream that the Lord gave me about him. And uh, he's not only the dream interviewee, but I actually had a dream about ha- about having him on. It's, it's amazing what uh, God can do. And uh, it's something that actually feeds into uh, being awake. And the information he has is for us to be awake. And be awake right now from the anti-woke station, WSIC News Talk Radio. This is Dinesh D'Souza calling us and speaking to us from Texas. And we're in Statesville, North Carolina at WSIC Talk Radio. And we're here to present the spiritual background of what's happening in America today. So, Dinesh, uh, the reason why I had you uh, on the show, and I thank you very much, by the way, for giving us this time. Because we've never met in person, but I've been following you for years. And uh, all your documentaries that I've been watching, and my wife and I have been watching, and so forth. And, um, but the curiosity that I had, because our show is about fathers, is to think of the spiritual roots of what's happening in America right now, and how they were affected actually by our founding fathers in the original documents, and where we are today, and how that has become so corrupted in sense of how we live our lives very much today. Because uh, as I see from a governmental point of view, and um, I don't really want to direct this show really more to the politics of it because I really don't like politics. I really am very interested in government. And I'm looking at government, and the Founding Fathers gave us a government to give us freedom. And we're being confronted right now with a situation where our freedom is being taken away, and the powers that are trying to run our country are actually trying to control us, and it's becoming tyranny. So um, I want to just uh, check in on your thoughts about where do you think we are today spiritually? And, and if we have time, I'd like to think about where this country may be going, spiritually speaking. What are your thoughts, Dinesh? Well, I think that uh, we are in a, in a bad spot in, in America today. Uh, and I say this not merely comparing the country to, you know, 1789, or the origins of the country, or perhaps even the 19th century, which was a period of explosive growth for the country. 
Uh, I'm even comparing it to when I, at, at the age of 17, first set foot on America. That was in 1978. I was a Rotary Exchange student. I spent the early part of my life in India. Mm-hmm. And although America was, uh, you know, even then, facing problems, cultural problems, uh, moral problems, problems with the breakdown of the family, for example, those problems had not reached a, an acute or, you can say, emergency uh, mm-hmm. state. Uh, but over the past 50 years or so, 40 years or so, we've seen those problems get worse. Problems that were confined to uh, pockets of America are now seen all over America. Problems that were once largely located in the black community are now equally seen in the white community. And so what we have is um, on the spiritual front, on the family front, on the decency front, on the popular culture front, we just have decay at all levels. I see very little uh, things getting better and by and large things getting worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the tyranny comes out of that because when people, when societies move into a stage of, of chaos, the government then tries to sort of clamp down mm-hmm. and, and, and force you to do this and force you to do that. And again, the government isn't forcing you to sort of do the right thing. In many cases, they're forcing you to do the wrong thing. Yeah, so. Sure. It's, it's tyranny that is accelerating the decay. And for all these reasons, I think there's certainly for those of us who sort of see ourselves as uh, trying to resist these things, uh, we have our work cut out for us. Where do you think the solution could be, spiritually speaking? <clears throat> well, it's on many fronts. Um, some people will say, of course, that we need a, a great spiritual awakening I think that's obviously a good thing if we could have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, in some ways, a question to ask is, do we have the uh, soil that can produce that kind of a great awakening? Mm-hmm. In other words, do we have an America today that can produce a Jonathan Edwards, can produce the kind of figures that, uh, that were responsible, not just for the first great awakening of the 18th century, but for the... Um, uh, for the second great awakening of the 19th century that occurred around the time of the Civil War. Uh, so that's one area of uh, interest, certainly. But, you know, the founders, uh, in a sense, were um, interested in not even so much, I would say, in theology as they were in morality. Morality mm-hmm. here refers to uh, the distinction between right and wrong. And, of course, one can be uh, religious and derive these principles of right and wrong sort of directly from scripture, from the Ten Commandments. But on the other hand, you have people who may not be religious, but they still have a conscience. They can still tell when something is right or wrong. Uh, And uh, certainly for Christian theologians over the centuries, they call this natural right or natural law, Mm -hmm. the ability with even unassisted human reason to be able to discern when something is right or wrong. So Mm -hmm. I think we need a moral revival, uh, independently, maybe related to, but nevertheless distinct from a spiritual revival. And then all of that plays out into the political and cultural sphere. So we need revival on all fronts. Um, and um, and uh, But at the deepest root, I, I do think that this is a spiritual uh, conflict. I do too. I think we're in a spiritual war. What role do you think fathers would play in our nation in this spiritual war in terms of bringing victory? Or bringing about this great awakening? The problem is that we have uh, too few fathers in the first place, and uh, many of the fathers we have have 
have sort of lost sense of what it means to be a father. Mm -hmm. So we have the problem at two levels. Uh, you have uh, whole communities where fatherhood is is rare. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't mean fatherhood in the biological sense. Obviously, sure. you need fatherhood to, um, Sire to give birth to children. Sure. But I mean the role, the, the the cultural and moral role of the father as the as a critical figure in the family, mm -hmm. as the incubator of educational and moral values for young people. <coughs> fatherhood, in that sense, has become, mm -hmm. if not extinct. It's become rare in certain communities, mm -hmm. uh, and even in communities where where you seem to have the family uh, that is reasonably intact as an institution. When you probe closer, you see that the family is dysfunctional mm -hmm. in the sense that you have fathers, for example, and this would be equally true of mothers, mm -hmm. uh, who are literally taking orders from their children, uh, mm -hmm. who have sort of forgotten the natural hierarchy between parents on the one hand and children on the other, mm -hmm. who, who seem to have lost the moral authority to be able to say to children, this is the way the world is, and this yeah. is what you need, you need to do in the world mm -hmm. uh, to learn and to grow and ultimately to become an adult. Mm -hmm. uh, so if children don't aspire to be like their fathers sure. uh, in some way, uh, then children are going to say, well, I don't like the way the world is. I, I don't agree with you that that's how I should be. Uh, and then once again, uh, that kind of role of the parent becomes confused as I think it has become in, in Western culture. I mean, for me, it's always striking. And of course, you know, because I grew up in India, I live in two worlds, mm -hmm. mostly here in the United States, but I'm sort of aware of how the rest of the world sees it. Sure. Uh, and there's a much healthier notion of family uh, and fatherhood in, in the, I would call it in the traditional world mm -hmm. uh, than there is in the West and in the United States. You know, there's a word called righteousness. And that word is a practical word. I mean, a lot of Christian churches uses it from a, from a spiritual point of view, a religious point of view, but the word righteousness immediately means being in the right position, being right-related, and right-hearted. And you just talked about your children uh, talk, telling their parents what to do. They're not righteous. They're not in the right position. They're not right-related to their parents. And if things are not righteous and not right position, not right-related, not right-hearted, things break down. And the family is certainly breaking down when fathers or men do not stand up to be fathers. Um, almost everything that is said about fatherhood today, I say almost, um, is nonsensical. And it's especially the case when you come around to Father's Day, because, of course, there'll be all these articles and all these pundits, and they're all talking about fatherhood. Uh, and almost everything that they say, if I think about it, doesn't apply to my own father, who was a very good father. Mm -hmm. So they'll say things like, well, you know, fathers need to spend a lot of quality time with their kids. Now, I mean, I agree. I spend a lot of time with my daughter. Mm -hmm. um, but on the other hand, if I think of my dad, uh, you know, I was uh, with him at breakfast for about 30 minutes in the morning as I got ready in school. Most of the time he was reading the newspaper. Every mm -hmm. now and then he'd look up and bark out some sort of instruction or some sort of quip. Um, and then he'd be off to work and come back kind of late in the evening around seven. Mm -hmm. I'd be doing my homework. Um, so I just say hi, then we'd have dinner, uh, mm -hmm. but dinner together as a family. So the point I'm getting at is my father didn't do a whole lot of buddy buddy with me. He didn't quote, get to know me and explore my feelings. Mm -hmm. uh, none of that. Uh, but he was a rock of stability, a rock of good sense. I knew that even though he was strict, I could trust him implicitly. Mm -hmm. uh, and so those are the things that make up in my view, the rock of fatherhood. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as I think back, uh, all the things that I'm told fathers need to do, and some of those I did do myself as a father, 
are to me fine to do, but not essential to what it means to be a father. It may be 85% of success is just showing up and being there. It's showing up and it's in, it's in providing for your family and it's in also exercising a certain type of, and, and this is going to sound you know, a little bit out there, but patriarchal authority mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that even my mom was in my family, as, as kids always are, a kind of a partisan. And so, for example, if my neighbor came over and said, oh, you know, Dinesh and his brother and sister are throwing water balloons, you know, on, on people on the street, my mom would be like, not my kids, you know. So my mom immediately goes into the defensive okay. posture. Yeah. But then my dad shows up and he goes, well, what are the facts of the matter? Mm. Where did the water balloons come from? Did they actually come from the direction of our house? Mm. So my father, in other words, was the only one introducing an element of objectivity yeah. here. Why? Because my father knew that it is quite possible that the three of us standing you know, on our balcony were in fact the guilty party, and he was willing to explore the evidence. He didn't automatically become a partisan of the family. So I recognized sure. even at a young age that my parents, although you know, equal in the sense of, uh, of, equal, of equal status and equally important to us as mom and dad, nevertheless didn't play the exact same role in our family. You know, it's said in uh, a lot of statistics show that 85% of a child's identity comes from the words that their father speaks to them. Yeah. One thing that's been very striking to me, and I have, a, <clears throat> I have a, an, an only daughter, uh, Danielle, who's now 27, and, and I've been really struck by the degree to which that is true of girls as much as it is of boys. I mean, I know it's true of boys for my own case. Yes. I looked up to my own father and was in some senses modeled, <coughs> modeled at least some of my life on him. But I was struck by the fact that, and I've seen this not only in, through experience, but through things I've read, that girls, it's very important to the Absolutely. self-esteem and sense of st- moral stability and psychological wholeness of girls that they identify with their father and that and that they are loved and and and, and sort of respected by their parents. Yeah, it's not gender specific. You know, one of the reasons why I started doing these um, uh, radio stations and the podcasts and the children's books that I've been writing are the Papa Tales, A Grandfather's Bedtime Stories, was a scripture verse, which is Malachi 4, 6. At the end of the age, I'll bring the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And it's not gender, but it's not boys or girls. It's either one or both, actually. It functions that way. I got to share this one thing with you, since we don't know each other. But uh, it's very important for me to get this out there, is that uh, when I've heard that you were going to give us 30, some time to, to talk about this, uh, and I prayed about our meeting, I actually had a dream. And in the dream, I saw this man out in a rural community um, with a fields, and he had this burlap bag, and he began to put his hands in the burlap bag and throw out these seeds. And he was happy-go-lucky, and he was generous. He was throwing the seeds all over the fields. And I looked at him, and I said, that's Johnny Appleseed. And uh, the, when in the dream, when I was watching this man throw out all these seeds into the field, he turned and looked at me, and guess who it was? You. Oh, it had your face. And I woke up. And I said, Johnny Appleseed. I said, like, Dinesh is like Johnny Appleseed. And I said, why did God give me this dream about Dinesh being Johnny Appleseed? And then I remembered seed, plant, and harvest, which is a scriptural principle of planting the seed. And the seeds are words. And the words get planted and they get cultivated and they bring forth the harvest. And then I thought to myself, are you telling me that Dinesh is being used for the Great Awakening? 
that he's planting these seeds with these words of truth that are going out there, exposing things, and, and that's actually opening up minds, people's minds to be awake to what's happening. And then I said, why would you use a fable? Then God said to me, look it up. And I looked it up. There's a real guy named John Chapman, who was Johnny Appleseed. He lived from 1774, I think it was, to 1845. He traveled 50 years from, of all places, Leo Minster, Massachusetts, across the country. He went to Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Indiana, spreading the seeds. And the purpose of giving people apple seeds, which were free, was because at that time, the government said, if you had 50 apple trees on your land, you could have title to the property. And that was part of the early stages of America, establishing rights to the land. And Johnny Appleseed played a huge part in that. And I see the parallelism between what you're doing right now with your documentaries and um, the books that you're coming up with and planting seeds in people's minds to cause them to become awake. Well, that's very interesting. And, and of course, um, of course, very uh, humbling. The, um, you know, I think we're in a stage in America where we need uh, prophetic voices. I mean, if we think biblically, there are times in society where really society begins to unwind mm-hmm. and uh, it, the, um, the, uh, the guardrails of society begin to come down. And so common sense is lost. And, and what's particularly frightening is that the, the smart people in society, we today call them like the elite, Every society needs elites, Mm -hmm. and you can tell the quality of a society by the quality of its elites. Well, our elites are rotten. Uh, They they live in an upside-down world in which they promote things that are wrong as being right. My wife, Debbie, calls it a Moulin Rouge society. It's almost Mm -hmm. like when you go to France to you get watch these Moulin Rouge shows where people are sort of dressed up like freaks, uh, and you just get the sense, and it's maybe entertaining for an hour or two, but you're in a very abnormal world in which the normal categories of up and down and right and wrong don't really apply, uh, except that, that that kind of stage world of the French theater is now our world. It's our real world. Mm-hmm. And our, our elites are cheering it on. And so uh, there is a, you know, a real need for, uh, I would say, 21st century prophecy. Obviously, you can't put on you know, Elijah's robes now in that way exactly but we have to use different tools and different uh language uh and speak in a different voice perhaps but nevertheless we're doing the same thing Mm -hmm. in trying to call society kind of back to common sense yes thank you folks for listening to our show today with dinesh d'souza it's been a gift from god literally to be asked to have him on the show and to ask him questions not just about his movie but more importantly to get underneath the surface and into his thoughts about the spiritual roots of what's happening in america today the father's heart is always interested in our freedom and one of the things that's happening in our world today is our freedom is being challenged in the society that we have, in the culture that we have, there's so much corruption going on at so many different levels. And one of those areas of corruption, obviously, that Dinesh believes, and I believe as well, is the um, corruption of the election process. But let's get even deeper behind the surface of what's happening uh, to us and what could we look forward to. So come listen to Uh, As you're listening to the show today, pick up the things that uh, you may have heard about him saying things about prophets, which I didn't expect uh, Dinesh to mention. And uh, 
you know, one of the things that I was able to give him was this dream that he's going to talk about with his wife, Debbie, and, and understand a little bit more about what God's trying to say to him about his calling and anointing as Johnny Appleseed, that he can go out into the rural communities, because we really believe that that's what's happening. That's where uh, the heart of God is going to start where the uh, throbbing, if you will, in the heart of God into the hearts of people. The deplorables out there, as Hillary Clinton would say, those people who are really natural and part of the earth and part of the land, and they're coming to the places where um, they're God's people. They're God's people out there in the fields. God's people understand the idea of uh, seed, plant, and harvest. And Dinesh is, is practicing in his life uh, a process of planting seeds out there. The seeds that he has are words, and the words are going to awake us, anti-woke, awake us. And these kinds of thoughts are something that uh, is going to bring about a dramatic change. We're reaching the tipping point in America. The corruption has gotten so corrupt that it can't continue to last. It's going to have to reach the breaking point, the tipping point, or the breaking point is, is coming very close. And we really believe the Great Awakening in America has already started in certain parts. But we're using shows like this to bring this information, bring these words out to people who are listening and with the effect that it will have on their lives. So we thank you for listening today. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to call into the show. You can reach us at WSIC um, 704-873-1400, News Talk. If you have any questions about uh, the show that you uh, listen to about Dinesh D'Souza and you want to ask us questions that we could um, hopefully answer, and we want you to be encouraged because God is not finished with America. We do believe that God is going to save America. And if you're an American citizen, you will uh, appreciate what's happening where our freedom will be restored and the three branches of government will be restored. And we're looking for restoration. God's in the restoration business. And we look forward to all the things that God's going to be doing for us uh, in these coming days and coming weeks. This is a great time to be alive, and we thank you for listening. Papa Tom. been listening to the father's heart with tom clark join us again next thursday morning at eight right here on news talk wsic